0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. than Death Valley, South Carolina.
1: at the right field and it is out of here a grand slam for the freshman everybody's been waiting for that
0: one. the freshman of the year the player of the Fire! year in the ACC
1: the throw is in time what was that you said about Seth Beer that shit never will
0: it's again with the runner going that one's hit high and deep to right it's way back and out of
1: Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson podcast. It is Thursday, February 22nd. Ben and Sam here with you today and for the first time in a long time we're actually not here to talk anything about football. Um, So if that's the only thing you're interested in, in Clemson athletics, go ahead and hit stop now. We don't care, we already got your listen count, uh, so we're good. Uh, But yeah, a lot of exciting things. Going on, uh, aside from football and Clemson sports, of course, we're going to stay tuned to spring practice and everything that's going on there. Big quarterback battle, obviously, everybody paying attention to that. But today we're here to talk to you about basketball and baseball. The baseball team kicking off their season last weekend. A lot of excitement around Monty Lee's team this year, so we're going to dive into them, uh, give you a little bit of preview, uh, look at the team this year, who's coming back who are the new faces, and what to expect out of the team this year. But today we're going to start with basketball. And Sam, as the kids say, we suck again. What's going on in this three-game skid that the Tigers have succumbed to here and their first losing streak all year long?
0: Yeah, first losing streak at all of more than one game. Uh, We've lost three straight now to Florida State, Duke, and Virginia Tech. The thing that's really happening in these games is uh, the injuries have caught up with us. Uh, The Florida State game was an overtime loss, Shelton Mitchell got hurt at the very end of regulation and we ended up losing a uh, very winnable game. You know, one more shot falls in any overtime game and in regulation and you win that, right? So not something to be upset about Florida state on the road. It's a fine thing to lose. Would rather win it, but oh, well Duke sort of the same thing. Even without Mitchell, we were tied with uh, a three from Gabe DeVoe with a about a minute and a half left to go in the game. And came back down like double Yeah, we double were down digits. a bunch yeah, and design. came back, tied it with a minute and a half to go at 57, and then they scored nine straight, mostly off free throws to end the game. Virginia Tech, less pretty. Uh, we struggled with their pressure and turned the ball over a good bit. They capitalized like crazy on those turnovers. I think at one point we had nine turnovers, and they had 17 points off of them. So uh, when, you're, when you're getting about two points of turnover, that's pretty darn good. Uh, We also didn't force any. I think at that point we had two for the game uh, to their nine. So it was uh, a less than stellar offensive performance paired with a pretty good defense performance, but without any easy baskets. So we just we struggled to put points on the board. And I think that's going to be a theme going forward if Mitchell is out for any extended period of time. Yeah, and
1: I wouldn't expect me. He's just gone through the concussion uh, protocol. So, you know, that generally takes about a week. So not surprising that he's missed a couple games here. Um, big picture, I don't think there's any reason for panic right now. Um, it's ridiculous, number one, to see Clemson fans on message boards calling for Brad Brownell or questioning him at this point. I mean, all he's done so far this year is lead us to 20 wins. We're an NCAA tournament lock. He lost one of the best players and probably the leader on the team at Dante Grantham earlier yep. this year. Um, and it only lost you know one game until Shelton Mitchell went down. Uh, so yeah, it's no reason to panic. And uh, this team is still talented. Uh, the problem is with Shelton Mitchell going down is that was the guy that was creating shots for other people for Marquise Reed, for Gabe DeVoe. Um, you know, you know, assisting getting the ball inside to Elijah Thomas. So that they're, they're Elijah problem right there. I expect when we get Sh- Sheldon Mitchell back, that you're going to see this team turn back around. I mean, you take a look, he went down in overtime with a Florida state game. If Marquise Reed drops in a bucket at the end of regulation, we win that game. Yep. Uh, Mitchell doesn't get concussed, and then he's there for the Duke game, and again, like you mentioned, we were tied with them uh, down at the, to the end of the game, and probably Virginia Tech's a different story too, because you know the weaknesses were glaring in that game from missing Shelton Mitchell, so you know, I think when you take a step back and look, we we spoke about it uh, at earlier at the beginning of the season that this team was not well built, built to sustain a bunch of injuries, well, now you got Grantham out, you got Mitchell going down, it's going to be hard for this team to win with all the young talent. Good news is, young guys have been Getting some good, valuable game experience, as well as the fact Shelton Mitchell is going to be back.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that you really see uh, in the last three games uh, against Florida State, Duke, and Virginia Tech is that they have all pressured us extensively on the perimeter. And without Mitchell there to control the ball and get it moving and get our offense going, we've really struggled. uh, And it's looked like Brownell offensive teams of the last few years where we throw it around the outside for 20 seconds. And then throw up a force three. Yeah. That's all we've done for the last two and a half games or two, two games and change. And Marquise Reed has been out of his mind. Uh, One of those games, he hit seven threes uh, or eight. right. That's great. But I mean, it's not sustainable. This
1: Clemson team, the past uh, few years has been one guy and everybody else. And that hasn't worked. What has worked and worked really well earlier in the year was the entire team playing together in a co- cohesive offensive unit. Yep. And we're not seeing that right now. They're not getting the ball inside, um, which is, you know, not leaving great shots on the perimeter. Gay DeVoe, it's not that he's just missing wide open shots. He's just not getting the shots. He's forcing shots and that's why he's missing them. He hasn't all of a sudden forgotten how to shoot. You know, he went those three games in a row with what five threes. Yeah. And in, then seven, in.
0: four games in a row with five plus. Yeah.
1: So, uh, this this is an outlier. I think. I think you're going to see this team really turn it around when Mitchell gets back. That being said, there are a lot of weaknesses here that do need to be paid attention to and improved upon.
0: I agree. It's. I'm not worried about the team falling to pieces after this. Uh, when you lose your, <clears throat> one of your best distributors in your power forward, who is the guy who's breaking zones and stuff, for you early in the season in, in Dante Grantham, and then you lose your point guard, who is obviously going to be a key ball handler and distributor. We're clearly going to struggle to get the ball where it needs to go. Marquise Reed stepped in and took over point guard duties. He doesn't handle the pressure getting the ball to court as well. He doesn't start the offense as well. He's a scorer. And it's much easier for him to either take somebody one-on-one than it is, or shoot a shot that's open after a setup, than it is to initiate the offense and set other people up. Now, he averages three or four assists a game. He's not inept at it, you know. He's done an admirable job and kept us close in these games, but he's not a point guard. That's not yeah, what he, he wants to do. He's not
1: a pure ball handler. I mean, you can see it in the turnovers. Um, you know, David is out there a lot more, and he's turning <laughs> the ball over as well. I mean, as great as his defense is, he was great against Grayson Allen at Duke. Um, yeah, I think what we're, we're seeing overall is just a, a team that has lost a little bit of identity because they've lost a couple of the guys who were part of that identity. Um, but getting Shelton Mitchell back, I think, is going to make all the difference in the world. Um, and hopefully, that's the the next game against um, uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, not- Georgia yet? Tech.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, it'll be a good test. The next few games, we've got three games left in the regular season: Georgia Tech on the 24th, this Saturday; uh, Florida State again, but at home this time, and then away at Syracuse to end the season. Georgia Tech and Syracuse are both zone teams. We held uh, We had no problems with Georgia Tech the first time we played them. That was on the road. But it was a close game. It it ended up being closer than it looked, uh, but we won that game uh, mostly because we struggled to contain Josh Kogi. He went for like 26 that game. Uh, Florida State obviously gave us some trouble. Uh, At home, it should be a little bit better, assuming that Mitchell is back and healthy, which we fully expect him to be back, especially by the Florida State game, probably by the Georgia Tech game this weekend. Uh, and Syracuse we're still gonna struggle they're one of the best defenses in the country they zone which is unusual and we don't handle particularly well if we're not shooting well because uh, as you can see in the last couple games we don't get the ball inside if there's too much pressure on the perimeter. so it will be a good test the next three games. whether we win all those games or lose all the game those games, like you said, we're a lock for the NCAA tournament it'll affect our seating absolutely more importantly, uh, at least short-term, it'll affect our ACC ranking. Uh, if we were to somehow lose all three of those, we'd probably end up at the 9 or 10 seed. If we win all three, we'll probably be the 4 seed and get a double buy. At so, least the 4 seed. Yeah. yeah. So there's, And that uh, double buy is going to be huge. It's again, going to be a big deal. You don't deal. have
1: bench depth.
0: It'll be a big deal. So these next three games mean a lot for us, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if we somehow managed to lose all three, I think there's a good chance we probably win two of them.
1: So, you know, if if I'm looking back at this three game losing streak and I want to find something encouraging, it's that the team has played, they played some physical basketball and they played some teams that have played them very physical and they've stuck in all of those games, you know, Florida State uh, down to the wire. I think that's a digestible loss. That's a very good team on the road. Yep. Um, Stuck with them. Marquise Reed had an opportunity to win that game. Uh, on the last shot of regulation and if Shelton Mitchell doesn't go down who knows what how overtime ends up going and then duke uh, obviously a really good basketball team we tie them uh in the closing minutes of the game um so that was you know hung in there without Shelton Mitchell in that game and then virginia tech yeah it was ugly things just by that point they've had two games uh, or sorry they've had one game at least to go back and look on tape to see how we play without Mitchell Yep. Um. And you know they they attack us in uh you know in our weak spot. And it was an ugly game, but it's not like we got blown out. It was close. Nope. And again, Virginia Tech is another tournament team. They win seventy five percent of their games um, at the Castle, so not a terrible loss. All digestible losses. But again, there are some weaknesses that that we do have to take care of here. And Brad Brown is going to have to address one of them. And we talked about this before as well. Is when this team gets too reliant on the three. If it's not going down. Can they win any other way? And Virginia Tech proved that they couldn't. Like, they were unable to get the ball inside. They were plagued by some of the things, same things that plagued this team last year. Guys just aren't driving, and you have to drive to open up the perimeter. Um, And, you know, Marquise Reed wasn't doing a great job of that. Gabe DeVoe wasn't either. Um, And some of the other younger guards, they're just not ready for that yet, and they're making bad mistakes. Um, So I think that's one thing definitely for Brad Ranall to look at in this team. When Shelton Mitchell gets back, there needs to be more balance.
0: Absolutely. And I think the fact that we kept these close speaks to the theme of this season, which is the defense is back, right? We've gone from uh, being 30th or 40th in defensive efficiency the last few years to we're currently number five in the country, according to Ken Palm, in defensive efficiency. That's based on uh, points per possession per 100 possessions. We've gone from 32nd from our last podcast on the set on the seventh, uh, we were 32nd in the country in the off in offensive efficiency. We've fallen to 60th uh, in the last two weeks because of the lack of Shelton Mitchell and the tough defensive teams that we've played. Uh, Virginia Tech, decent defensive team. Duke, not so good, but they, like you said, attacked us where we're weak and we didn't figure it out. So I I'm really looking forward to the next three games to see if we can. Uh, do more than have Marquise Reed shoot eight for twenty from three to keep a game close, which, well done, Keys. It's a lot of good shooting. But we need somebody but, else to uh, put some some uh, balls in the basket there. We also I mean, only had nine assists in that game. Right, no ball movement.
1: None. Well, the, the other downside of not getting uh, getting into the paint is you're not getting the free throw line, which exactly. Clemson has shot very well from the free throw line this year. Now they didn't so much of the Virginia Tech game. They were actually pretty horrible. Yep. Uh, but that's another byproduct of not getting into the paint. Um, those are free points. Yep. Yeah,
0: Three of ten from the line in the Virginia Tech game. I mean, number
1: one, o- only having ten attempts is a pitiful number only making three of 10. There's no excuse for that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the guys that split the free throws, Gabe Gabe is is a good free throw shooter. It's like
1: 75, 76% coming into that. game. Yeah.
0: And he goes one for four. Eli two for four for the game shoots like 65 or 75% somewhere in there for the season. Clyde trap over two. These are guys who don't miss free throws this badly normally. And it just really reared its head in this game altogether. Um, Gabe had his second game in a row against Virginia Tech, where he only made one three. He's two for 14 the last two games. So he's in a bit of a slump. We sort of expected that. We talked about the reversion to the mean with his shooting. Um, But we know he's capable of putting up good shots. I think the fact that they've been forced the last couple games and under a lot of pressure probably got in his head, and he's been struggling. But with our distributor, Mitchell, coming back, I don't think there's anything to worry about across the board.
1: Well, and as bad as Gabe's been, I mean, he stepped up huge and hit a big three against
0: Duke. Absolutely. tied the game with a minute and a half left, the only shot he hit all game.
1: Right. And he had another instance of that earlier this year where he had a pretty uh, poor shooting day, but then came up big late in the game to hit a big three. And, you know, again, we we make the Steph Curry comparison. When Steph Curry's off, he doesn't quit shooting. Um, And eventually he only takes one shot to go down for these guys to get their rhythm going. And the, the, the announcers in the Virginia Tech game were pointing it out. Um, I believe there was a guy from Virginia Tech who was was struggling as well, and they're like, you know, you just need to see a shot go in the basket, and that's a lot easier done uh, if you can drive the ball to the basket and get an easy layup or something like that. The Virginia Tech guy did. Gabe was still taking shots for outside, and when he made it inside, he wasn't having a lot of success underneath the rim. Yep. Um, And again, you know, he's not getting wide-open looks. So I think, you know, confidence is probably a little bit down at this point. He's getting tough shots. But as you mentioned, I expect him to get his rhythm back, um, somewhat when Shelton Mitchell uh, comes back. I just he's not, he does he hasn't forgotten how to shoot the basketball. Absolutely he's a very not. good shooter. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how these teams have been defending us. You know, we went into the and we're not going to really talk about the pit game because the pit's horrible, and we should. There's no excuse for not beating them.
0: The the only thing I want to say about the pit game is I'm disappointed that Brownell stuck to the eight man rotation that we're used to and didn't get, get some of the, the other guys. The in. Younger guys in when we won the game by 24. Um, but otherwise, the, that game Gabe absolutely went off. He was seven for 11 from three, had 25 points, looked amazing. Eli had another double double. We just crushed them. It was never close.
1: No, but so going into the Florida State game, that was like kind of a tale of two halves again. We can get off to a good start. We have a terrible second half. In um, that one, we don't match up well against Florida State. You mentioned that beforehand. What did you see out of that game that we weren't matching up well against?
0: Uh, I think it was really exactly what I expected, the second half especially in that game. First half we came out and we looked awesome. We shot really well uh, and we had a lot of ball movement. We weren't turning it over. The second half, you saw their ball pressure start to wear us down. Uh, we, Keese had a number of turnovers in that game, five. Uh, Gabe and Shelton each had four. Eli had three. Uh, David Scara had three. We had a ton of turnovers, most of those coming in the second half. 21 as a team. It's our high for the season. Uh, and with a team like Florida State that is long and pressures the ball the entire game, you're going to get some of that. So that was one, one thing that that really caught my eye that I was expecting, and Florida State followed through, unfortunately. The other thing was the second half from Phil Kofer, who is the power forward, smallish power forward, but power forward who can shoot for uh, Florida State He did not score in the first half and ended the game with 17.
1: And that continues another trend. There's always a guy having a career night against Clemson. As good as we've been on defense, why is there always one guy having a career night?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. This year, it's been uh, mostly the big guys who can shoot. We've talked about it a couple times. Last year, it was a mix um, of, of different styles of player. But we seem to always have one weak spot where I don't know if it's preparation from coaching where we're Not necessarily focused on a certain player. Is it a weak
1: link with like one defender? I mean, you talk about being a big. Is 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 that
0: this year part of the problem with Grantham going down? This year, uh, I think Dante going down was a big
1: part of it. I mean, we thought with Sims coming in, his athletic ability was going to help him get out to the perimeter uh, more. But I mean, there's again, there's still always one guy going off on us.
0: Yeah, one of the problems that we experienced with with Eli and, and big guys so much this year is that we switch on ball screens a lot, and Eli gets isolated against either guards or those stretch fours and fives that can go out and hit shots on the perimeter. So he struggles to keep up with the quicker players and also get a hand up um, when they're shooting from outside. So it's it's really hurt us a lot this year.
1: And that's on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the, the uh, encouraging things he has been playing very well in offense. I mean, he had the double-double against Duke. Um, he's playing solid. I think it's the weaknesses um, of this team – at other positions and doing other things, it's really kind of overshadowing how well he actually is playing.
0: Yeah, offensively, he's been fantastic. Uh, I think three of the last four games he's had a double-double against um, Florida State was the only one where he didn't end up getting a double-double, and he was like 9 points, 8 rebounds, something like that. He's also been distributing the ball really well on offense. Uh, The few times that we got him the ball in the post against Virginia Tech, he either took it to the hoop and got a good lookup, not always a make, but at least decent looks. Or uh, there was one play in particular where he set keys up for a three in the corner. That was just masterful. He made a move to the inside. They had him defended Marquise was open in the corner. He kicked it out and keys hit the three. Maybe we let him handle the point with uh, Mitchell up. There was a, uh, there was one point in the Virginia tech game where he took the ball from about half court off a long rebound or a loose ball and ended up making a really nice drop off to, I think uh, Donnell or Scara for a score. And the announcers were talking about how Brad Brownell was a little bit worried about that. And it's one of those, no, 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 yes, good play moments. So it was uh, kind of like when Brian Narciss would take off with the ball. Exactly. But we knew Brian was always going to do something good with it.
1: Hey, I mean, like dunk from the free throw line. That's right. Um, you mentioned Mark Donnell. We, we got a quote from uh, or some information. Uh, I think David Hood said it on TigerNet from Brad Brownell. He posed the question, why are we not seeing Mark Donnell out on the, the floor more because he not only, uh, I mean, he brings an ability to score the basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, his shooting percentage has been very good this year. Mm-hmm. And what Brennell told David Hood is that he doesn't like to have Elijah Thomas and Donald out on the, the floor at the same time. But is there any reason not to, to do that, whether Donald's spelling Sims or even out there for Scara.
0: No, I think that Eli and Mark would be a good combo Um, we've got a stretch four in Mark who can go out and hit shots. He can play the high post when we're playing against zones on offense. And he's a pretty decent passer as well. Uh, So we can find Eli on that high-low post pass. Um, And then defensively, Eli's the rim protector. Mark's not much swifter, but slightly swifter. Um, And so he can guard the quicker four four position. Um, I think they would be a good duo to put together on the court a little bit more often, and especially against zone teams, he's a zone breaker for us. He is the one that can best fill that high post role that that Grantham abdicated when he got hurt. It's something that we did not do well against Duke's zone, and the few times he got in, he got good looks or made good passes. Uh, You've got to be able to attack the high post against the zone, and I think he's a really good tool for us. Be able to do that,
1: yeah, and especially we have some zone teams coming up. That might be something to look to see if uh Brownell actually makes that 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 coaching change or that change as a coach, um, with strategy to get him in there more. Not saying that Mark Donald is not the savior of this team right now, it's Shelton Mitchell's the guy we need to get back, but listen, Mark Donald, he's an experienced player, uh, he has NCAA tournament experience with uh Michigan. So he's a very valuable piece to this team. And I would personally love to see him out on the floor more. And I, I think a lot of people hear a lot of chatter. You see it on the message boards. A lot of people would like to see him out there as well. Um, so again, one glaring issue in these three losses has been the ball handling, the turning the ball over, and the inability to create shots. We've seen, especially with Grantham going down, you see Sims in there a lot more. But with Mitchell going down, uh, you're seeing uh, Spencer and Trap out on the floor a lot more. Uh, they've looked like uh, in young inexperienced guys, but let's talk about how valuable it is for them to get this experience right now. And have you seen any bright spots out of them?
0: I think the biggest bright spot is that they don't look scared. Right. Scott Spencer against uh, Virginia tech had a terrible shooting night. He was over six over four from three. He airballed one or two. His shot was off, but he kept taking them and they were the looks that he was supposed to shoot. He knows when he's open, he's supposed to take that shot. We know he's a better shooter than over 6 and over 4 from 3. Right. They'll fall eventually. Um, so I think he played 22 minutes in that game, which was way more than we would have expected. And defensively, he looked fine. He didn't make any major errors. Uh, I think it was the end of the Florida State game where he messed up on an inbound. Might have been Duke. Um, that ended up being the thing that put the other team ahead. Right. But he, uh, other than that, he's bounced back from that well. I think he, he looks like he's figuring it out on defense, and the shots will fall.
1: And I think it was the Duke game, because I, I think I mentioned when that happened that he shouldn't be in the game right now. That's a, that's a point where you really miss Shelton Mitchell. Uh, but that being said, if, if nothing else, the injuries to Grantham and Shelton Mitchell gets these guys some good experience, at least leading up into next year. But it also helps going into tournament time. Um, you know, these they're, they're playing against good competition right now. Uh, in years past, you would not see these younger guys playing as much as they are in ACC play. They'd get some out-of-conference um, action, but, you know, they'd be riding the bench for most of ACC play. So that that is the bright side of this. They are talented guys with high upsides. So it'll be interesting to see how they evolve and progress here the rest of the season.
0: It'll be important in March, especially, once you get into tournament season, those back-to-back-to-back games. If we go deep in the ACC tournament or, you know, uh, one-day gaps between games in the NCAA if we make it through the first weekend, we're going to need to go deeper than seven or eight guys. And if Malik William or Clyde Trapp or Scott Spencer can give us a solid 15, 20 minutes in a game or two, that's really going to help the starters take a breather, get their legs under them, and be ready for the next game.
1: So... Let's, speaking of those next games, uh, looking forward, we got three games to close out ACC play here. We got two in a row at home, which I think it's going to be good for this team to get back, get some home cooking. Hopefully, we get Shelton Mitchell back for the Georgia Tech game uh, this weekend. Um, we play at Georgia Tech. We beat them on the road. Again, like you mentioned, it's a close game. Get them now at home. Is there any reason why they should keep this one close or there should be any suspense in this one, especially if Shelton Mitchell comes back
0: healthy? If Shelton is healthy for the game, there's no reason it should be close. Uh, Georgia Tech's team has sort of fallen apart. They've dropped a bunch of games recently. Um, They're not a very good team. We should beat them if everyone is healthy. If Shelton's not healthy, we could struggle. Uh, We've seen it the last couple games. So offensively is the only concern if he's out. But we should win that game.
1: So Then we got Florida State at home. You know, obviously that game has left a mark on this program. Uh, That started this three game losing streak. It was the game in which Shelton Mitchell went out. Uh, We hung with them into overtime, though. So what's the key to that game? What's the key to this beating this team again? As you've mentioned several times before, it's not a good matchup for us. So it is somewhat encouraging that we played that
0: close to them on the road. How do we beat them? We beat them by not turning the ball over, first of all. Twenty-one turnovers. And I think was a that could much. be the
1: the, the story for, for every game we play here. Absolutely. That definitely needs to be a focus. Uh,
0: so controlling the ball, Shelton obviously would be super helpful with that. Uh, but the other big thing is we need to get the ball inside on them. They have uh, Chris Kamaji who is seven feet four and defends the rim, but he doesn't play that many minutes. When he's out, their rim protection is pretty weak. Eli should be able to eat them up inside if we can get him the ball. So getting him in the, the ball in the high post and the low post letting him sort of work the offense through him instead of just sort of swinging it around the outside and doing the high uh, on ball screens that we've been doing the last couple games that have clearly been ineffective we need to change something um, so i think that's another good way to beat the ball pressure is get it to the guy that isn't going to have a three or four guards you know swiping at him constantly
1: so yeah i think really over these next two home games um if you come out of those with two wins, that's going to make a world of difference for this team and, um, as far as their confidence is concerned. Um, a Syracuse loss is digestible. Um, you take that on the road, but you beat Georgia Tech, and then you come back and beat Florida State, which, again, that kind of heals the wounds of, of the loss uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, that very well could be a ranked team, and they're definitely going to be a tournament team.
0: Yeah, Florida State definitely going to be in the tournament. If they keep winning, um, especially if they beat us in that game, they'll probably be ranked at some point towards the end of the season here. Uh, Syracuse, on the other hand, not going to be ranked. Almost certainly a, a tournament team if they don't totally poop the bed the rest of the season.
1: By, nothing by name alone.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, but they really they have one of the best defenses I mentioned earlier in the in the episode, one of the best defenses in the country. They have that. Signature Syracuse zone that they run. It's really, really good this year. Um, the approach to, the, to beating them for us is going to be similar to our approach against Florida State and what we should have done in the Duke game when they went and zone against us. We've got to attack the high post. We talked about Dunnell and Eli being in that spot and being able to distribute from there. That's going to be key to that game.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be a tough game on the road. Any ACC road game is tough. So, I really think the key is focusing on these next two games at home, getting the win. And if Clemson can come out of this 2-1, and one, I mean, really, whichever way it shakes out, if they come out 2-1, and one, I think you got to be pretty happy. Um, but you feel a lot better going into Syracuse had we won the previous two
0: games. Absolutely. It'd be great to, to end the season with a good comeback win against Florida State after we dropped one close to them.
1: So when we step back and look at the big picture again, we're pretty much a lock. If you look at anybody, um, their predictions were a lock for the NCAA tournament. Um, which has me thinking a little bit about this team and what their strengths are and their propensity for taking as many threes as they do. I mean, it's very three-centric. When you get into the tournament, you're typically playing in these much larger arenas. Um, One of the reasons it's so hard to play on the road is, you know, aside from the crowd, it's just a different environment. Your depth perception has changed. uh, The background of your shot is different, and that's why you see shooting percentages go down uh, when teams are on the road. So when you get into the NCAA tournament, yeah, both teams... That are playing in the game or the facing the same thing. But if you're a primarily shooting team, that's what you rely on is shooting from deep and you're off. That could really come back to hurt you. If you can't find other ways to win.
0: Absolutely. It definitely lends to a streakier performance. If you get hot and you do what Gabe did for four games in a row and you're hitting everything, you're going to win a lot of games. Um, we talked a little bit earlier in the year about which teams win uh, NCAA championships, it's the teams with at least a guard or two who can create their own shot and get hot. Um, And then that plays solid defense and have some bigs that are consistent scorers. So right now we're projected to be a five, according to ESPN five seed in the NCAA and the 12s that we would potentially be matched up against include Syracuse, uh, a USC team that just lost Uh, one of their players to the pro game after he didn't play a game this year. He was involved in the whole scandal. Um, But a very strong young team in in USC and Syracuse. Uh, A couple of smaller teams in Louisiana Lafayette and Loyola Loyola, Chicago. Louisiana Lafayette we played earlier in the year, so we know we can play them. That was a pretty close game that we won. Um, And New Mexico State is the other one that is currently projected as a 12 seed. So it's sort of a... A really broad range. The matchup is going to be pivotal in, in how we handle that game.
1: Yeah. So moral of the story here, obviously, you got to get Shelton Mitchell back and be able to distribute the ball and move the ball better around on offense. But I think getting inside is and getting a rhythm in production there is going to be really key. Um, whether it be Elijah Thomas, Mark Donald, uh, Amir Sims, it, it's got to be somebody because you can't be one dimensional. I think when you get into tournament time, and you're playing these more complete teams. So. Um, I, I think really focusing over these next few games, seeing these guys get into the paint and be productive, and getting to the free-throw line. Again, I think just getting on the line, you take that easy shot. And when you're hitting those shots, again, that's a gimme. You're hitting those shots, you're feeling better about your other shots going down from the perimeter. So I think really getting the ball inside is is going to be something that Brad Brown now really needs to focus on with this team because you got to do something different with this offense because it's just not working right now. Absolutely. Well, so that's all we got for basketball. Um, We'll see how these next three games play out. Um, We'll probably let that happen, and we'll come back and we'll do a recap of those and a look ahead to the ACC tournament. Um, Again, people, don't freak out over these three losses. Uh, Three losses used to be a very common thing in Clemson basketball. This is the first losing streak that this team has had all year, and it comes with two of the most important guys on the team down. You see how this team um, reacted and bounced back when Dante Grantham went down, they lost to uh, Virginia, a very good basketball team, and then won several in a row without them. So get Shelton Mitchell back. It's very possible for this team to pick up where they left off and close out the season on a good note. So with that, we'll be back to talk about basketball here in a few weeks, but now let's move on to baseball. All right, Sam, let's talk baseball. Um, you are a Bay Area kid. You're from the Bay Area. You just happened to go to Clemson. Um, and like any normal person, you went to Clemson and you fell in love with the football there. You're also a basketball guy, so obviously you pay close attention to the basketball team. What do you know about Clemson baseball?
0: Uh, I told you after our first series, the only things I need to know are that we've got a guy named Beer, go Seth, and that we were 3-0 and 3-1-run wins. I think that's really what our fan base needs to know so far.
1: But in all seriousness, uh, there's a lot of excitement around this team this year. Monty Lee coming back for what is his third year at the home of Clemson baseball. He brings back a team that went 42-21 and 21 last year, uh, but unfortunately for the second consecutive year, they were unable to get out of the regional hosted at Dunk kingsmore Stadium, and it's kind of hard to to believe and wrap your mind around that it. It's been seven seasons since 2010, since Clemson actually went to Omaha. And that's actually the last time this team advanced to a Super Regional, so that lack of success after getting into the playoffs was part of what led to Jack Leggett's firing. Uh, Clemson fans have gotten Monty Lee a pass these first couple years here. Um, his first year, he actually won the ACC tournament. Um, and last year, the team did well. I mean, they made it into a regional. They were actually ranked pretty high at one point in the year. Um, but this year may be different. Um, teams are uh, fans expectations may be a bit higher. Now, that may be a little unfair because this team has a lot of holes to fill. Um, and we start with the pitching staff. Um, they lost weekend starters, Charlie Barnes, Alex Eubanks, Pat Kroll, and then midweek starter Tyler Jackson last week. To lose all your starters is unprecedented. Um, and it's really going to be – got a lot of young, talented guys on this baseball team, but we don't know what we're going to get out of them. Um, it's, if their talent prevails, then this team could be very good this year. If the pitching doesn't hold up, despite all the good hitting that we have, it's going to be a long year.
0: Yeah, we've got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that are coming in um, probably our most uh, experienced starter, one of our most experienced starters is going to be Jake Hickenbotham, who missed an entire year and change after um, a stress fracture in his elbow a couple of years ago. Where do you see this team going? Do you think we can make a difference from last year and, and actually get out of the regional that we've hosted two years in a row?
1: Yeah. I think a reason for optimism is because all these guys are so talented that a few of them are going to break through this year. And even though we don't have anybody on this team who's made a start since 2016, that was uh, Brooks Crawford and Jake Higginbotham. Uh, they both return as starters this year, coming off an injury. Uh, Brooks Crawford had a had a spell of mono last year that only le- uh, limited him to 17 relief appearances. Um, but as a freshman, he logged 40 in- innings, had a 3.66 ERA. Jake Higginbotham made seven starts in 2016, started off as the Sunday starter um so you know these guys they are coming back with some experience it may not have all been last year but there's a high upside of these guys and coming in the coaching staff has always been really excited about their potential um so you you know maybe all we don't hit on all three of these guys this year but i think there's other guys in the ranks too um i really think that jake Higabotham is going to be the standout star of this pitching staff this year um again a lot of people forgot about him he came in as a freshman Coaching staff was really high on him. Again, threw him in that Sunday starter role. So I look for him to bounce back this year. Um, And then also uh, uh, Jacob Hennessy. He had a three eight two ERA last year as a freshman in 26 relief appearances. Um, He's been really working. You know, he came out of the bullpen last year. You only really need two pitches. He threw fastball slider. He really worked to develop his changeup this year. He's a lefty, and he really thinks that's going to be helpful for him against righties. This year, so if he can really perfect that pitch, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. I really like how the the how the pitching lines up. You got Hennessy, a lefty, Brooks Crawford a righty, the back to Higginbotham a lefty. So that really switches things up. And again, if you can, you have two power lefties. I think that's uh, going to throw some teams off. Um, that's just naturally how it is in baseball. Um, so I really like how that uh, the starting three uh, hold up. My question, uh, or stack up. My question is, can they hold up throughout the year? Again, guys coming off of injury, um, you know, a couple sophomores and a junior. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I'm optimistic, but is it reasonable to think that all three are going to find a lot of success this year? Not necessarily. You never know when an injury or just something isn't clicking. Working out, or you wear down as the season goes along because you're not used to pitching that much.
0: Yeah. Something else that'll be key for their success is something that we've struggled with the last couple of years, which is uh, errors in the field. Our defense behind the pitchers, who have been pretty good the last couple of years, has been pretty spotty. We've had a bunch of errors each of the last couple of years, and it's really cost us a lot of runs. Do you see an improvement in that area coming from our, our position players?
1: Well, it's gonna have to. Uh, two years ago, Monty Lee had a terrible fielding team. They were absolutely horrible. They did improve last year, but there were some weaknesses. Um, I, I think one area you're gonna see a lot of improvement this year is up the middle. And Logan Davidson, he's you know came in last year, started as a true freshman at shortstop, which is already like the most error prone position on the field as it is. Um, so I, we've he- we've heard that he's really improved a lot on his defense. Uh, this year. So I think, you know, up the middle, we're going to be a lot more solid. Seth Beer has been working uh, to really improve his game at first base. Um, at, at how much we're going to see him play there? Well, it really depends on whether or not Chris Williams heals up. They prefer to play him there and not behind the plate until his shoulder injury. So you'll see Seth Beer out in right field. Um, but, you know, I mentioned last year going into the season, we need to see the defense improve. They did, but we need to see another big step forward uh, this year as well. Um, so kind of that leads me into the weekend starters, uh, you know, last year you have a guy like Tyler Jackson who came in as a transfer, had a, had a lot of good experience. We're looking to a lot of freshmen this year. And I think it's going to be more, uh, starting pitcher weekday, starting pitcher by committee this year with Monty Lee, um, you know, last year they liked to leave guys in, go seven innings. They try to get guys into seven innings and turn it over to the bullpen. This year, it's going to be a lot more relying on the bullpen to get them through games. That's kind of how it was two years ago where Clemson struggled against lesser teams with their weekday starters. This year may be looking a little better. I mean, there's a handful of guys, and even guys who were uh, actually candidates um, for the weekend rotation. You got Sam Weatherly, Owen Griffith, Ryan Miller, Spencer Strider, Travis Moore, Matt Clark um, We're all vying uh, for that spot. Weatherly actually got the start um, against Furman on earlier in the week. Uh, he's a two way player. They're really excited about this kid. He was Mr. Michigan in 2017 coming in. So, um, he's arguably the most athletic player on the team. You know, he can play first base outfield. He's a left-handed pitcher. Obviously, um, he needs to add some velocity uh, velocity to his fastball and improve his mechanics. Uh, and because of that, I don't think a lot of people expected to see him starting, um, as the, the, the first start for the week the day starters. But, um, he did, and they really think that he's going to be a future impact player, if not immediately, for this baseball team. Um, a couple other guys, though, to pay attention to. Owen Griffith, he was the best pitcher in South Carolina by perfect game coming out of high school. He's a sophomore. Um, he did see limited playing time last year, but did get in four and a third shutout innings in the regional um, in 2017. Um, he's a guy that's not only a candidate for being a starter, he could move into the closer role if Riley Gilliam Uh, moves to a starting role he's currently the 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 closer so be on the lookout for that Um, and then Spencer Strider the number 28 freshman uh, coming in by perfect game this year he's got a mid-90s fastball and a mesmerizing changeup. I think this kid's really going to be an ace for this team at some point and he really may be one of those guys that comes on this year you're hearing a lot of chatter about him um, so we'll see how he pulls that together You know, with this pitching staff, Monty Lee doesn't throw out. Their philosophy is not to throw out guys who just have overwhelming stuff. They throw out guys who are going to throw strikes. So going back to your point about the defense, that's where it becomes really important because there's going to be balls put into play. Yep. Um, So we'll see. I think from the starters, there's a lot of unknowns, but I think it's going to be really exciting to see how it unfolds. And I'm especially excited to see who of these freshmen that this team is going to be relying on, which ones kind of break through this year.
0: Yeah, that midweek rotation will be interesting as we sort of try and figure out who our fourth starter, fourth and fifth starters will be.
1: Because um, you got to think, like last year we were lucky uh, where all three weekend starters were pretty solid all year long. Yep. But you never know when one of them is going to go down. Like Higginbotham, when he started the first seven, uh, when he started seven games in, uh, as a Sunday starter uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, they had to re- end up having to replace him because he just wasn't getting the job done. So that may happen. Uh, we need to have a lot of guys ready. And I mentioned Riley Gilliam. Uh, he's the closer. Um, he was a starter in 2016, moved to the bullpen last year, he had a 257 ERA. Again, he could trans- transition back to a starter role if needed, uh, but he seems more comfortable coming out of the bullpen. So they would prefer yep. to, to, to leave him there. Um, a couple other guys in the bullpen to take notice of that they're likely going to be their role all year. Alex Schnell, he's a senior guy that's been around for a while. He had a 251 ERA in 2017. He's going to be probably the setup man and then Ryan Miller I think you're going to solely see him coming out of the bullpen
0: this year. Yep, another senior there. So our our back end of the rotation or uh of our bullpen, the guys that are closing games out in for the most us, stressful situations in the most stressful situations are our most experienced pitchers, which is good. Um hopefully Gilliam whether he starts or ends up closing for us is going to be uh, a game changer well, for us. Well, it's a
1: good fallback option to have him as a starter if needed, especially uh, with you if you have Owen Griffith who possibly you know the sophomore could step in there. And assume the closers' role. So, I mean, listen, this this pitching staff has a lot to live up to. Last year's team was first in the nation uh, with a 3.93 strikeout-to-walk ratio, um, and 2.26 walks per nine inning. We're we're good for second in the country. So that just goes to show you, um, matching up with Monty Lee's philosophy yeah, of putting in strikes. guys who are going to throw strikes. The good news is, through Furman so far this year, the pitchers have thrown 43 uh, have gotten 43 strikeouts, only seven walks which is huge. That's less than two walks per nine innings. There's 6-1-4 strikeout to walk ratio right now. There's no way in hell that holds up. That's you know nearly double what they did last year when they were first in the nation. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a very positive Good trend. start to yeah, the season. Good start to the season Absolutely. that we're seeing so far. It'll be interesting to see how the pitchers hold up going up um, into this weekend against a very good Dallas Baptist team. Okay, Sam, let's talk about the fun stuff. Let's talk about the hitting. Um, you mentioned uh, Seth Beer at the beginning. I mean, it was a shock when he chose to come to Clemson. He, he would have been drafted high uh, as a senior in high school. But knowing that we were going to get him for three years, I mean, it seems like time's flown. This is his third year now in the program, but I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do this year. Again, third year in.
0: Yeah, he's one of our uh, returners, obviously. And I remember when we got him, how excited we were. His freshman year, he, I think, led – Uh, He was hitting college baseball in homers for a large part of that season. He was
1: hitting over 400 for a while there, too.
0: Yeah, he was playing great. Um, So then he had a little bit of a regression in in his sophomore year and didn't quite wasn't the world smasher that he was his freshman year. But he still had a very solid season. Still hitting
1: home runs. His batting average dipped for sure. Yep. So guys were challenging him inside. I mean, they. You know, they figured out how to. Yeah, pitch you figure it out. Get enough
0: report. Get enough scouting reports, enough games, uh, enough pitches against him. You start to figure it out. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, make an adjustment and get back to the ways of his freshman his freshman year. He's already got a home run so far this year, which is great. Um, and we've got a couple of other returners. You mentioned uh, Davidson at shortstop, but we lost a lot of starters or a couple of starters as well. Um, do you feel like the guys that are stepping in to fill those roles are going to be able to? Lead the way and and help us get back to where we were last season?
1: Yeah, well, I think one, bringing back uh, Seth Beer, Chris Williams, and Logan Davidson is going to be huge. You know, as much as, you know, losing Chase Pender and Reed Rollman from last year, um, you know, those three guys combined for 42 of the 73 home runs on this team um, and 143 RBI. So, I mean, just having that core back is going to be a huge shot in the arm for this team. But you know, aside from Rollman and Pender, you lose Cox. He was a solid guy. Um, that, that's your only other st- consistent starter. Then off the bench, losing Weston Jackson and KJ Bryant. Um, you know, the only position that's really settled at this point in the field is Logan Davidson at shortstop. So there is going to be some other. Um, there's going to be some other p- position battles, and we'll see. You've got some veterans in here um, who have an opportunity to take over the job. But you also have some new guys that I'm really uh, looking forward to. And I think the new guys have a higher upside as far as their um, hitting ability is concerned. Um, sort of
0: similar to the uh, position battles we're seeing on the football field, yeah? Exactly.
1: Um, so, yeah, let's kind of go around the horn here. Um, I think we're really, as I mentioned, we're going to see Chris Williams stay at first until he's healthy. Uh, as I mentioned, Seth Beers improved his defense tremendously that position in the fall, so you'll see him sometime there. But then Patrick Cromwell is going to be another guy that you're going to see them really want to get him on the field and into the lineup. There, he's been tearing the cover off the ball this year. Um, I think he's batting about 500 last right now. I have to check on that. Um, moving over to second base, Jordan Green. He's a familiar face uh, mm-hmm. for Tiger mm-hmm. fans. He's a starter for most of last year. He's a he's a really good defender and is a really big threat on the base pass. But He's very average at the plate, so I think you're going to see a battle there between him, Grayson Bird, who hit 284 last year, and then also a, a Juco transfer in Justin Hawkins. Uh, coaches are really excited about this guy. He probably has the most pure power on the team. Uh, he hit some balls out of the ballpark in batting practice. Monty Lee said he's never seen that before. Uh, he does need to develop a little bit better discipline at the plate and uh, cut down on his strikeouts if he is going to be successful this year. But look for Justin Hawkins to maybe not make an impact early on, but the more he gets some at-bats as the season goes along, um, he could be a factor for the team this year if yep. not moving into next year. Mentioned Logan Davidson at shortstop. Again, the only thing they really need him to focus on is shoring up his defense. Then over at third base, um, uh, Bird is also going to uh, probably get the start over there if not starting at second. Um, But you could also do Patrick Cromwell, a combination of Cromwell and Hawkins over here at third base as well with a lefty-righty platoon. Um, So a lot of options uh, for Monte Lee this year. Yeah,
0: because Monte Lee, a lot of choices. He can ride the hot bat and switch guys out uh, positionally to figure out what's working.
1: Right. So I I think defense, I mean, if all things being equal with hitting, I think defense is going to be a big part of the decision this year, who's playing better at those positions. Again, again, with these, Uh, young pitchers that's gonna have a huge impact but uh it's gonna be interesting to see how this carousel goes around this year and really where things land we turn our focus to the outfield you know all the main starters are gone Uh, i do have drew warden and robert jolly returning um warden's a guy's never committed an error in his clemson career Uh, the main thing for him is they really want to get his bat going robert jolly he's been a jack of all trades for this baseball team he can dh he can catch he's a clutch pinch hitter Um, He was really huge in that role last year. But look for both of them to start. Um, The the guy that everybody is super excited about and is going to be a game changer for this Clemson baseball team is uh, Keir Meredith. He's recovering from shoulder surgery right now, but he is going to be an impact center fielder as soon as he's able to step on the field. Um, They're saying that uh, he could begin swinging uh, a bat here in the next week or so, but likely not to be back um, until late March, possibly early April. But if Clemson can get this guy in the lineup, um, I think he's going to be a huge in-back player. I mean, he's, he's a five-tool player, blazing fast, um, and they really think that he's the guy for this, he, he, that he should, by all means, take over a starting job.
0: Kind of another under-the-radar guy is center fielder, uh, another freshman, Bryce Teodosio. Where do you think he fits in in the outfield rotation?
1: Well, he got the start um, on opening weekend, and I think in the first game he actually looked pretty good with his bat. He's a plus defender. Um, he is more than serviceable for that role right now. And if he can get his bat going, I mean, it's not um, a foregone conclusion that Meredith is going to have the starters role. He's going to have to battle that out. So Teodosio, uh, he really gets a leg up by getting the, the start here at the beginning
0: of the season. So it sounds like it's going to be a, a lot of decisions for Monty Lee this year. Uh, both infield and outfield, figuring out what defense works, which hitters are hot, and how he wants to switch it up. And a lot of young guys, which is
1: really exciting. A lot of young guys that are really talented are going to be really good players for Clemson um, throughout over the next three years. So I think that is the exciting thing. Again, hitting is not something that we're going to have to worry about for this baseball team. It's, it really comes down to the pitching and then how good the defense is. Again, the defense really has to improve. Um, you're going to see a, a different dynamic from this team this year. I think they're going to run more on the base pass. Um, base running has been an issue for this team the past couple of years, just smart base running. So hopefully you see that improved. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really exciting to, just to see all these freshmen. It's like a new-look team. You know, we kind of got used to some of the same guys over the last couple of years. So you're starting to see Monty Lee get his players in yeah. and having, you know, you know Put his stamp on the program, so um, I, I think there's a lot of excitement to come. Um, one other guy I'm really excited about, um, is a transfer from uh, Spartanburg Methodist. Uh, he's a junior in Sheldon Reed. Uh, he averaged 448 with 11 home runs in um, in 2017 for Spartanburg Methodist. Now, not the greatest competition in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but still, you know, he's a hitter. Um, yep. so I'll be really interested to see how he fits into the. Into the outfield mix this year. And again, I mentioned earlier, uh, freshman Sam Weatherly, two way player, um, he could make a big impact um, as well. Whether that's um, on the mound or out in the field, that's yet to be seen. So that's where we stand uh, with the baseball team this year. Again, another exciting uh, bunch of young guys mixed with a lot of exciting veterans. Absolutely. Um, how Beer, Williams, and Logan Davidson are going to do in that lineup is going to be a really fascinating thing to watch i think you're going to see big years out of all these guys um but it really comes down to the pitching staff um those are the question marks. so yep. so far so good this year teams yeah. 4-0 i mean you mentioned the one run uh wins against uh, william and mary that is a little too close for
0: comfort sure and not a team that you'd expect to be a, a title contender later in the year but the point is we won um yeah you and know. you know
1: coming out at the beginning of the year the, the pitchers are usually always ahead of the hitters absolutely um, and what was good to see is this team came from behind. Uh, the yep. First game tied it up on a uh, tied it up in the ninth, down four to one, and then Chris Williams uh, with a walk off uh, bases loaded single there to win in the tenth. And that's something we got used to seeing at this team is them staying and, like not ever getting feeling like they're out of a game. And Absolutely. Back. So it's good to see that trend continue.
0: Yeah, the first the first four games were sort of a a mix of results and and how we got to those wins. Right, we we won four times. Three one-run games, but come back in the first game, uh, the second game, we sort of had a lead most of the game. And they came back and almost caught up. Third game was a a pitching duel. Higginbotham had a good outing. Yeah, he
1: pitched really well.
0: And then our our game against Furman on Tuesday, we just crushed them and put up 12 runs on the scoreboard. Had still a pretty good outing, only gave up four runs, but uh, interesting mix to start the season.
1: Yeah, and, and then in that Furman game, that's really where we saw Monty Lee go. With a lot of guys, Weatherly started that game. Um, he did well early on. He ran into some trouble in the fourth and was pulled. Uh, then you saw Ryan Miller go in there and pitch three innings. Um, he gave up no hits or runs in, in his appearance, so that was really um, uh, exciting to see. So yeah, pitch five guys through five guys in that game. And again, look to these weekday games to really see how these where that other starter's role starts to evolve. Or where we could find another weekend starter, yep. if if it comes down to needing to replace one of the guys that are in there right now.
0: Yep, we've got uh, a series coming up this weekend against a pretty good Dallas Baptist team, right?
1: Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know Dallas Baptist was a good baseball team until you know I started reading, looking forward to this matchup, and realizing, yeah. wow, they're ranked in some polls, and they made it. Uh, did they make it to us? The, the, they made it to the final, the Fort Worth Regional last yep. year.
0: Almost made it to a super last year.
1: Yeah, so um, it's a tough test early. Yeah, and I actually like that we scheduled a team like this early on. It's kind of like scheduling um, a tough opponent in basketball, and in your, in your or a couple of tough opponents in basketball in, in your non-conference play. So it'll be interesting. I think this is going to be very telling this year. You know, these smaller schools, um, whereas Clemson has uh, youth, uh, very talented youth. They're inexperienced in a lot of areas be interesting to see Dallas Baptists come in, um, see if they're maybe not as talented, but could be more, more experienced. experienced. Sure. I haven't really dove into this team, but um, a lot of uh, pundits have them as, a, as another strong pr- projection
0: this year for how well they're going to do. Sure. Could set us up for a, a good start to the season if we get out of that series with uh, with a win.
1: Let's hope so. I mean, you, you definitely at least want to go two and one. I think if you go two and one, there's no reason to be disappointed in this baseball team. If they go one and two or you know zero oh and three, then you don't panic yet. But there's some questions. Early. There's yeah. some questions that need to be answered for sure. Um, but the rest of the schedule really sets up nicely for this baseball team this year. There's no back to back road series all year. Of course, you got your typical uh, South Carolina and Georgia games. Three against South Carolina, two against Georgia. Got home and home with them. Um, as far as ACC play goes, we do get Florida State at home, which is big. You know, they're the the most highly ranked ACC team uh, right
0: now this year. Yep, number five right now uh, by the ESPN coaches poll.
1: Uh, where we're really going to run into trouble is we got Louisville and UVA on the road. Two really good baseball teams. Those are our two toughest series, I think. UVA is um, it, the, there's a UVA Florida state back-to-back series. That's going to be kind That'd of our tough. toughest stretch yep. uh, more towards the end of the year. The good thing is we have no weekday game in between those two. So it'll give the guys a chance, a uh, uh, chance to rest. And another positive is again, we don't have North Carolina on the schedule this year. So this schedule sets up really nicely for another 40 plus plus win season for this baseball team. Uh, the The pitching is going to be the key factor. I think we're going to see very early on in the season how that evolves and we're going to get a good take on how well they're going to do this year. Even if they struggle a little bit, I I think this offense is going to be good enough for certain to get this baseball team
0: through some of it,
1: carry, carry us through some of it. And also the schedule sets up nicely, but to definitely get into a regional. There's no reason for this team to miss a regional this year. Uh, the question is, do we host? And the question is, can we? If find- we
0: do, do we do what we did the last two years? Yeah, can can we advance past to get yeah. into a
1: super regional? Because I think we're at the, the point now where like, all right, Monty, the excitement of, uh, of your arrival has kind of died down. Now let's get to it. Let's you know, let's bring Clemson baseball back to where we all feel it should be.
0: So Ben, with given the the schedule set up and how we have a pretty good setup and we've gotten off to a good start, uh, do you think we beat last year's win total at forty two?
1: Well, I was less optimistic um, uh, going into the season knowing that we lost so much from our pitching staff and there was a lot of holes to fill, and, and namely all the starters. Um, but as I started reading in more about this team, hearing about what the coaches were saying about fall practice and also in the spring practice, that the pitchers were actually dominating the hitting, yep. um, I've become a lot more positive. I think if it was coming down to, you know, we hoping that one or two guys bust out, I think the possibility that, um, that the possibility is there because there's a larger pool of guys to choose from talented guys that are going to be competing. I think there is that possibility that we could have two, maybe even three guys uh, bust out and really have a huge impact on this team. And it's because of that. Um, and combined with the hitting, I'm going over uh, 42 over. wins this year. Yeah, You
0: heard it here first, folks. Ben's shit has hit the wall. We'll see if it sticks.
1: I've got a good clip uh, to play for you guys about me predicting Christian Wilkins coming back aside from the one that we played last time. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I think that that's an honest prediction for me. Again, I think the offense is going to be really good. I think our defense is going to be improved. Combine that with more speed on the base pass and some really talented pitchers. Again, um, between the three guys we have starting, Hennessy, Crawford, and Higginbotham, they could all be great this year. Absolutely. Um, the question is, can these guys coming off injury, guys in their experience, and also the freshmen coming in, can they hold up over the long grind of a season? Because they're going to be throwing a lot more innings than they're used to in the past, whether it be limited from injury or just the high school schedule is not as long. So that's all we got for today, folks. Um, we'll be back here in a few weeks to mainly focus on uh, the end of the basketball regular season. And then looking ahead to the ACC tournament and then um, the NCAA tournament after that. We'll keep up with baseball as the season goes along. um, But right now our focus is still mainly going to be basketball. um, Because we know that's the thing that's on the Clemson fans' minds right now. Um, As always, thank everybody for listening. Thanks for the the love that you show us on social media, the reviews on iTunes. We appreciate all those things. um, And we just really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to listen to us, especially in the off-season. You know, we've seen the listen count uh, be pretty steady, and that's really encouraging. We appreciate that from everybody. Uh, So until we're back again, as always, go Tigers. I'll be honest with you. I would not be totally surprised if after this year he doesn't come back. Like he just seems to have so much fun and love being here and love being part of this environment. I know he's a first round draft pick, probably no top doubt. ten, maybe. But but what? But what if he gone? He gone. All right, we'll see. I'm just saying he, he could come back and visit when he's a millionaire. <laughs> like it, I'm just saying, I wouldn't well, be surprised that if he was one of those guys that we've seen happen to Clemson in the past that comes back. <clears throat> Old prediction there. All right. I'll, we'll hold you to it. We'll see how, we'll you, make you, a bet on that, Ben. How about that? Uh, I'll, sure. some good I'll throw a caveat out there. I think it depends on how the season goes. <laughs> Perfect.